Uh, okay, so today at Unsolved Truth, we have uh, Robin right here. Robin, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, good to be on. As Michael said, this is Robin. Happy to be on the podcast. This is something new for me. Looking forward to it and uh, always good to have a chat. Haven't actually seen Michael in a long time, so it's, uh, it's great to catch up and, uh, and chat. Well, he's very camera friendly, as you can tell. He starts off by saying this is the first time he was on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, which is actually a lie since you've been on uh, two days ago. Yeah, I was on the podcast yesterday. I've done bits of camera work before. I used to actually be a professional musician, so I did recordings. I was in a cathedral choir, Canterbury Cathedral Choir. Um, we used to record at night, and it was difficult because um, we had to wait for the planes to go overhead so that there was a clean, no, absolutely no background noise when we recorded. So we'd be in the cathedral from about 9 until 11 o'clock at night. How old were you? At that point in time, I was about 9 or 10. Jesus, I would not trust my kid alone with, with priests at, <laughs> at 11 o'clock. No, no priests are involved, just the uh, director of music. Yeah, I still wouldn't trust anyone with my kid at 9 around 11 o'clock. <laughs> so anyway, so if that's the case, uh, let's do a little choir at the end and we can edit it in. What do you think? Sure. There we go. You can put that on your uh, LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, uh, so tell me, tell a little bit to the audience as well. Uh, what you do, why, what's special about you, what's unique? So I have spent a lot of time traveling. I'm young, I'm 25, but I've seen quite a lot of the world. Uh, I've had the privilege of living in quite a few countries, especially in the Middle East. I've lived in Jordan, I've lived in Iran, uh, I've lived in the UAE, specifically in Dubai. Um, and I travel the world, um, specifically the Gulf as well, for work at the moment, um, particularly scaled back, of course, over the last 18 months. But I essentially work in uh, the asset management industry and run events that connect um, investors with asset managers. Um, so in a nutshell, that's, that's what I do. Um, I did not study finance at all. I just happened to get into this role. Mm. Um, in fact, I studied humanities. I studied Arabic and Farsi. We have a wide audience. <laughs> Very wide audience there. <laughs> so, so how did you find yourself in that role? So I actually very serendipitously got an email from my university, um, if you like, university admin um, who was heading up the uh, Islamic and Middle Eastern Studies Department. Um, they targeted the firm I work with now were looking for people that had a interest or any form of connection to um, the Middle East, be that Arabic studies or um, having... Uh, some kind of idea about the, the landscape, how to um, connect with people from the Middle East. And I just saw the job description and it ticked a lot of boxes. Um, and to cut a long story short, uh, I applied for the role, did a couple of interviews and here we are today. And three years later, I am now directing um, investor relations for the Middle East for the company. So let's, let's ask this then for people who are listening. Why would they choose your enterprise or the company? So it's more the other way around. So we, 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 it's more the fact that we would come to certain individuals. So it's quite small scale mm -hmm. in the sense that it's the events that we run are exclusively for a specific type of audience. Exclusive and for? Yeah, exclusive, exactly. So we would have... Um, 
we would have sophisticated investors from the Gulf attending, um, people from the uh, various wealth funds out in the Gulf, and we would also have, um, because of the partnerships that we run uh, in in the Middle East, we would have VIP guests. I won't be able to disclose who they might be. See what kind of a gentleman uh, he is. He doesn't even name drop. What a gentleman. But, uh, <laughs> as we say in the Gulf, uh, Wasta. You oh. <laughs> <laughs> almost made me spit it. Yeah, almost. almost uh, Michael knows what I'm talking about. Mm. Ain't that the truth? Maybe, maybe, maybe Michael can elaborate on uh, on on that word it was a uh, it's a phrase it's, it's a word in arabic which essentially means you connections. know connections yeah exactly yeah. who you know I, I think in the middle east more than maybe still in asia in 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 uh japan india china you would you'd see a lot of emphasis on connections in the west it's not as important as it used to be now it's more about what services you can offer in in back home it's it's a lot about reputation Right. What have you done? Who you've worked with? Exactly. I think results are almost secondary to how good your relationship is, which which is very unique in that part of the world, I think. And it has, you know, disadvantages and it has its disadvantages like everything else in life. Uh, so with the event management, can you name uh, where it was hosted? Who what kind of speakers were on? Yeah. So, for example, um, we would typically run events um, about five or six a year in most of the Gulf countries. The biggest events would be in Saudi Arabia, in Riyadh, the capital city, and in Kuwait, um, because the, the investment community in Kuwait is, is large for various reasons, mm-hmm. um, because of the oil reserves and uh, et cetera. And they it's have- It's a great place for business. Exactly. They have about three or four very, very large funds out there. And everybody that wants some money um, that has any sense is knocking on Kuwait's door. Um, so it's a, it's a it's a very interesting part of the world to do business. And um, Kuwait is uh, is a particularly um, particularly highlighted event for our clients who like to come out and meet with the investors there because there is a lot of money, a lot of reserves from the oil. Um, they have what they call a future generation fund, which is quite common in the Gulf. Um, you don't tend to see it very much in other parts of the world where there's a custodian for money generated by the reserves. So the oil, the oil money, the gas money, and effectively what these people from the Sovereign Wealth Fund are doing are investing in long-term uh, assets that deliver high returns um mm. you know risk adjusted returns so mm. they're very calculated in what they bet on but they don't need a short-term time horizon these guys sure, sure. are making investments um for about you know they don't need to cash in on investments for you know 10 years they don't need to they don't need to be uh you know two year two years and then liquidate the assets they're going to hold for a very very long time um but what were we talking about like five ten fifteen possibly even longer um, oh, okay but yeah i'd say typically about you know five to ten years and where's the investment pools heading towards is it, are we talking about company-wise investments buying stocks we're talking about assets funds mainly so, funds, okay. so, so etfs and stuff yeah so um more, more like actively managed funds by some of the sure. larger um players in in finance so um for those of you who, who aren't familiar with the asset management space, um, there are large institutions that manage huge pools of wealth and they take on external money and manage it and build portfolios themselves. And then they'll take a management fee and that's how they make their money. So, for example, um, our clients, um, 
again, won't name any names, but they will go and travel to the Middle East to build long-term relationships with a view of um, soft net, let's say soft networking mm -hmm. to start off with, mm. coffee conversations, exchanging of business cards, having a good, um, having a good introductory chat because in the Middle East, um, the way to conduct business is not necessarily being very in your face aggressive. This is who we are. This is why you should invest with us, etc. You need to, you need to really pave the groundwork first Absolutely. and it can take a couple of years for that relationship to, to yield some fruit, but with patience, you know, comes potentially huge rewards and you, you can't come in expecting to, to win lots and lots of money without having first established a long-term relationship. In-person meetings are hugely important. You cannot, you cannot have, for example, a, um, a scenario whereby you can expect to win a huge amount of business having never met them face to face because it's very important to, to, to have that analyzing of the team analyzing of the body language um feeling that the presence is right so there's a lot of a lot of uh it's, you could say it's old-fashioned but it's it's the way that business is conducted and covid of course we can talk about how covid has changed everyone has now been doing um, meetings online, so on Zoom or um, on 24 or whatever platforms are available. And that, of course, has changed the landscape slightly. But from my conversations, I'd say that people are far more comfortable having met somebody or they would only really, they would only really um, do business with people that they had pre-existing relationships with. So that's why it's very important if you are a company looking to or you are an individual looking to raise money or do business in the Gulf, that you travel and meet the teams, do your due diligence. Because if you don't do that, if you don't put in the groundwork, then they're not going to take you seriously. So uh, it's unbelievable because he's already answering my second question that was going to lead up on if you are a middle-sized company, you're looking for new investors, maybe sourcing from US or Europe is uh, too difficult or maybe it's not offering you enough funding or maybe the 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 uh, the bottom line uh, uh, is too too big of an ask how would a small to medium company let's say generating 5 to 10 million a year be able to come and acquire some of these VCs from overseas in the Asian market. So would they first come to you and uh, you you'd bring them into these sort of events and how would that go on then? So they wouldn't they wouldn't come to me, but there are certainly individuals um, who have roles, almost like a, an intermediary or a middleman, that can help to establish some of those relationships. Perhaps take a cut for making introductions. Um, but I think the most important thing is for somebody that's looking to conduct business in the Middle East or coming over to raise funds. Now is the time. If you look at the UAE, the United Arab Emirates, mm. um, for those of you who aren't familiar with, with the Gulf, mm. so when I say that, I mean Dubai and Abu Dhabi are the two emirates that most people are familiar with, mm. Abu Dhabi being the capital, Dubai being the kind of tourist hub where everybody goes on holiday, and um, you have the what we call short the DIFC, which is the Dubai International Financial Center, which is where a lot of people choose to set up um, offices for various tax reasons and also globally it's right yeah. right right in the middle of everything so you can have a call with asia you can have a call with the uk time your zone time zone time absolutely. zones you're you're right in the middle of everything absolutely um but 
um, going back to Expo, it's supposed to be much like the Olympics, which is now um, Tokyo 2020 running now. The World Expo was supposed to take place in Dubai last year. Expo 2020, which is Talking now... about dating ourselves right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so whoever's listening in the future, well... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Now you know what it was filmed. Exactly. So uh, people are now going off to uh, to the... It's called the uh, greatest show on earth, quite literally, because um, they've, they've invested a huge amount of money um, into the infrastructure. They've built... Um, hubs where people can you know exhibit stands people are going to be flocking to that part of the world when it's safe to do so and i believe it should be pretty soon and it's very much going to happen perhaps not immediately but i'd imagine that um over the next couple of months potentially in 2022 mm. the expo will come to dubai and that is a huge opportunity for anybody that's looking to come out and raise some capital or get their brand name out there go have a look go have a look at the expo find out as much as you can about it online go watch some videos on youtube the uae dubai specifically will be the place to 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 be um over the next couple of months years um off the back of expo it's a great opportunity to get your name out there um look to get an exhibition for example also networking you're going to meet people from all over the world coming to dubai for the expo and you'd be uh, you'd be you'd be Reminisced. silly yeah exactly you'd be silly you'd be silly not to um not to take full advantage of everybody being in the same place at one time in in dubai and going back to um perhaps we talk about the DIC is a great place to work because it's very international it's in the name dubai international financial center mm, dubai's mm. a a, a melting pot for cultures and people from all over the world um, live and work in the United Arab Emirates. See, I find that very interesting because you're 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 very open to Dubai. So, which one of the two do you prefer, UAE or Oman? Oman is a lovely country, um, beautiful, beautiful country. Uh, Muscat, the capital city, is lovely. It's full of uh, full of beautiful traditions, traditions history. history exactly, a very different way of life. Um, we also run or have run events in, in, in Muscat as well in the past. Um, good place as well to, to go and visit. Um, Business-wise, it is a bit more tricky to conduct business over there because things are a little bit slower. Mm -hmm. That, in a way, That's is... Middle that, East in that, general. Exactly. That, that, in a way, is to do with the, uh, the, the culture over there. So mm -hmm. um, it is... Rather than being like Dubai, where it's um, let's it's a say lot more laid back yeah, it's a general. lot more laid back in general. So, if you're looking to conduct business over there, you're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to put in Absolutely. the groundwork, do your trips, Absolutely. Um, entertain. You know, there's a lot of a lot of red tape to cut through before you uh, eventually um, have some kind of fruitful or you know yielding relationship. And also, Oman, Oman. Um, doesn't have the same resources um, or sovereign wealth, shall we say, as Kuwait or as Dubai um, or uh, or um, some other Gulf Gulf states like Qatar. But so if, if I mean again, if you're, it's it's always the same thing, right? Um, opportunity cost, limited of resources. You have X amount of capital, X amount of time. Which of these events would you recommend to? for a small to medium-sized company that's generating between, let's say, five to 10 million? 
Would I you think, say Muscat? Would you say Dubai? Would you say Saudi Arabia? I think that I think that if you if you take start off with um start off with Dubai mm-hmm. and the more reason, Western friendly of course. More Western friendly. The reason why I say that is because you name it, they have a ministry for they have a ministry for just about everything. They have a minister of happiness. They have a uh, there's a huge amount of work that goes into the to the governance of the United Arab Emirates in Dubai. So there will be somebody whose position it is to help SMEs, um, you know, integrate into the region. Course, find yeah, out, yeah, yeah, find yeah. out who that. There's a lot of middle management. Exactly. Find out. Consultants. Find out who that person Absolutely. is. Find out. Um, go, go on LinkedIn. Go on the government's website. Um, look at, for example. Um, they have lots of hubs. They have um, they have acceleration centers. Dubai is very forward thinking. It's always future this, vision this. Everything is forward thinking. You know, even as far as 2071, there's a Mars. You know, up to up to Mars. Let's get Absolutely. the first UAE astronaut up to Mars. For, so, for some of the audience who's never been to Dubai, I would tell you Dubai is a lot like New York, in a sense. It's very uh, almost transitional. Correct. You know, a lot of people are there and they're going to be there for four to five years and then they're going to move on to a next place. Uh, it's just how Dubai is built. And I think it's a, it's it really suits Dubai for being very innovative. You don't want to have old blood, stagnant blood too long in any kind of machinery. You want to constantly moving, constantly inventing. And that's that's really Dubai as an essence. I, I think that for a lot of Westerners, like uh, Robin said, it's it's a great place to start. I don't necessarily think you have to be able to speak Arabic, but I think it helps, like anywhere else, uh, be it Romania or be it Germany, wherever you speak the language, it obviously helps. Uh, I would say, uh, who is Dubai for? That's a very good question. Say you're 18, 19, you're just finishing university. You almost, I, was, I was almost about to interject um, and say that if you are young, mm-hmm. if you are... It's a, very young, it's a very good place for somebody who is you know, in their 20s, early 30s. It's a very young place. So the youth of the future, they very mm-hmm. much believe in um, paving the way for the future leaders of tomorrow, today, for example. They'll take mm. that as a, as a slogan. They, they, want, they, want ta- they want talent to come, young talent specifically, mm. to come to the region mm. to generate ideas, knowledge share, mm. um, Make sure that the um, make sure that locals, local Emiratis, the youth there, are in touch with uh, the rest of the world. How people are thinking from New York, how people are thinking from uh, Hong Kong, how people are thinking from all over the place. Because a lot of a lot of um, what they're doing is to bring, although bringing talent into Dubai, you could say it's transitory, but it will help paved the the way for the future absolutely going back to this future thing um whereas a couple of decades ago um where dubai was just a couple of towers in the desert very small ones albeit 20 years um, ago there was nothing nothing there there was only one one building on the grand sheikh zayed road which is the main the main highway Mm. and now they have the biggest this the biggest that everything is everything is there it's developed but the future is not so much in that the future is not Build, 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 build. The future is looking green, harnessing solar power, harnessing... Very future-forward thinking. Very future-forward thinking. There is a city just outside of... um, Just in between Abu Dhabi and Dubai 
called Mastor, which mm. is very futuristic. It already exists. It's there. And almost everything is run purely on natural resources. So solar power, wind. It's very environmentally very conscious. Very environmentally conscious. Absolutely. They grow. They have um, horizontal walls uh, where vines are growing up so they can build, um, they can make sure that, uh, for example, I think it's called vertical farming. Um, don't, don't, perhaps I'm wrong on that, but I think the term is vertical farming. And they essentially, instead of having, because of course it's not very arable land, it's desert, you know, it's quite harsh conditions. So using the scarcity of resources to, to create to the best of the ability is ab absolute importance. So if you are in that space, you must, must come and, you know, pitch your ideas or if you're an engineer or if you have a specific set of, I'd say if you have, if you have a good skill set, if something sets you out from the crowd, let's say you are an engineer, but with a specific focus in that kind of thing. So in renewables, in renewables sure. that kind of thing, if you have trained in that space, Absolutely. I mean, golden in, opportunity. Absolutely. In, in, in almost any economy, there are certain careers and certain titles that are valued simply more because of where the economy is currently at, right? <clears throat> and I think for, for Dubai, um, engineers get paid very, very good money, more than the West, easily, uh, sometimes even twice as much. Um, f uh, technologist, also very, very good. If you're a coder, fantastic. Uh, I think consultants still have some remnants there. I mean, it's obviously not as hot as it used to be. Uh, five, ten years ago, if you were a consultant in Dubai, you were you're living your best life. Exactly. I think now uh, most of the companies and government initiatives are more focused on internal structures, and so it's 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 going to be difficult to get to to be very successful there if you have a very standard skill set. I think if if you're very specialized then you're not going to have an issue. You're, 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 you know, you're really going to make a good income. 100% I agree. And it's tax-free for those of you that do not know. Absolutely. Well, it's tax-free, true, but you still have to pay taxes if you're a U.S. citizen. Correct. Your income doesn't Correct. matter. <laughs> Correct. Correct. There, there's either one way or another. You're there's a price gonna... you pay for freedom, you Absolutely. know, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I think that from, from another viewpoint, uh, while Dubai is the most Western country of the GCC, and I think that's very fair saying so, it is also the most expensive in living expenses wise. I would agree. It is very hard. If you're going to Dubai thinking to yourself, well, I'm going to make all this income and I'm going to be saving all this money. It's sadly not going to be the case. You know, it, it, when you double your income, you double your costs, typically. Correct. It's so, and Dubai has so much to do, whether it be sand surfing, uh, scuba diving. You're, you're constantly bombarded with activities that you can do. Yes. Right? So you name it, you name any activity, you can find it. You name it. You know, absolutely. you want to, you can, you can. You can sunbathe, you can skydive, you can scuba dive, and you Arab can you can also ski all in the same day. Absolutely, they also have the Arab version of the Louvre. Correct in, in Abu Dhabi. In Abu Dhabi. It's a very, 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 very amazing building. Um, Abu, for those of you who've never been to Abu Dhabi, um, the architecture is stunning. Mm. Um, the Grand Mosque over there is absolutely stunning. Search it up. It's called, I believe, it's the Sheikh Zayed Mosque, uh, the Grand Mosque. 
and it has the most ornate marble and shan the chandeliers and the color schemes. Very simple, but very elegant. Absolutely. If, you, if you're thinking of where do I want to go and I want to get out of Europe, I want to get out of the US, I would say Dubai is, is still very popular. And I think it offers you a great amount of activities that you can do. I don't know if, if it's the most price friendliest place on the planet. Well, definitely not on the planet, <laughs> but it's, it's definitely one of the richest activities that you can do in a geographical location. Correct. Having said that, um, because the market was flooded, there's, if you want five star, if you want seven star, you've got, you've got so many places that you can go to. If you're looking for more mid-range, so let's say four star hotels, three star hotels, something that would be the equivalent of, for example, a, uh, you know, uh, for those of us in the UK, like a, a holiday inn or a premier inn or something Absolutely. like that. There's not a huge deal of inventory or hotels out there, but people realize that. And there have been more and more of these uh, sort of mid-range hotels being built because the market was so saturated with high-end this, high-end that. And the market was also saturated with so much capital as well. Exactly. In the early days, there was an enormous boom. I think even today, you you can argue that Dubai has an over has oversaturation of, of FDI investment. Yeah. Um, uh, for all your travelers, by the way, out there, good tip. Whenever hotel you're looking for, contact the hotel personally. Either call them or email them because they can offer you of, often better prices than what you can find on booking.com or anything else. takes a little bit more effort, but you can often save a bit more money. 100%. There is always a deal in Dubai. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Especially if you can get anyone, of, if, if you can look up on LinkedIn or anything, get their personal email or phone number and email them directly. That's probably your best bet. If you're a shopper, they have the fashion sales. They have specific enterprises or specific um, specific months of the year which are dedicated purely to high sales, up to seventy percent off. Yeah. As there's a there's a there's a shop yeah. there's a shop that I always pass and it always makes me laugh, and it says. Closing down, everything must go ninety yeah, percent, and it's always all the time, mate. always there. And I see I think, that all the time I think in London. I'm going to go back, and it's going to be the same thing. I'm like, you guys have been closing down for five years now, <laughs> you know. There's that saying, right? It takes a long time for a bad business to die. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but in all in all seriousness, um, again, going back to the yes, you're you're, you're spending, but you can find great so deals. Let's let's plan a career path, right? You're, you you came out, let's say marketing. Let's say you've done your degree in finance. You're 19, 20. You're looking for jobs and opportunities. Are you saying, hey, you know what? Dubai is really good, but it's better if you're a little bit more experienced. It's better if you already have a little bit of of dirt on your on your hands. Exactly. Right, and and so you're saying. Try to get a good job in, in London, New York, wherever, in a big city, at a big firm, and then slowly try to get independent and move out, or would you say stay in that big firm and try to get yourself uh, to Dubai? A hundred percent agree with all of what Michael was saying there. It is a fantastic place to live and work, but usually you would have to have something to offer you know prior experience a decade to you know at least several years build a reputation bring something to the table 
So you'd find typically that most of the more junior positions are filled by young locals. So sure, absolutely. For example, let's take investment companies. They'll people have been sent to although there are good universities locally. Uh, a lot of big brand names are in Dubai, in the UAE, for example. You'll have some famous universities, for example, that have a sub like another branch, but based in Dubai or Abu Dhabi. Same with the schools, for example, mm. Wellington. There's a Wellington school mm. in uh, in the UAE. They have um, American universities mm. out there in Dubai and Abu Dhabi, mm. but. When you look at some of the more junior people, for example, at the investment companies that I deal with, it is a it is a country policy to ha try to, to hire, hire more, exactly, more local, exactly, and that's completely fair and it makes total sense from from an economic perspective. Yeah. I think if if the only reason I think if you're young is if you have very specialized skills, then you might like a programmer, uh, like maybe an investment banker, maybe a lawyer if you're very specialized in copyright law or whatever. I think there you can still find yourself an opportunity. Other than that, it's probably best uh, to go further in Asia, uh, maybe uh, Hong Kong, uh, maybe Japan, maybe Vietnam, or or or, or somewhere, uh, or even uh, South Korea. You're, yeah. you're, that's probably your best bet of, of starting to build your skills. And uh, I think concentrating on the Asian market is, is probably best for you if you're starting off your career than going to the Middle East. Middle East is, I think, saturated at the moment with, with young talent, but they need very specialized young talent. Yeah. And quite simply, I don't think a lot of people have that because it's specialized. Correct. <laughs> and you also you also have the uh, all the big names you can think of, consultants, banks, insurance the companies, four, the big four. They're all out operating out of Dubai. So I would say that most people that end up working in Dubai done the grad schemes in London or New York. Um, they've done a couple of years, they've rised up the ranks and there's been an opportunity that's presented themselves to go and further develop their careers um, by working in a different market. So I think a lot of the people that end up in Dubai end up there um, because they're part of perhaps the same firm, but joining a different global division. Sure, um, absolutely. Somebody said, you know, go go out there, have a, have a talk to so-and-so who's the boss out there, I think you could be a good fit for their new team. So I think... A word of mouth is absolutely... Word of mouth, exactly. It, now this is where I was going with the next I'll question. Give you, I can give you a very good anecdote. So my, my dad uh, lived and worked in Dubai for a very long time, and he retired um, for a year or so, decided he didn't want to be retired full-time, and then went back to work. How he got his job was very serendipitous. He happened to be walking about in the financial center and he bumped into an old friend and he happened to mention he was back in Dubai and wanting to move back there again to do a couple more years because he wasn't quite ready to fully retire. And it just so happened that even though people were saying, you know, actually we, we like you, but there's no, there's no, there's no position, position at the moment. He happened whatever. to speak to somebody that he had worked with in the past who said, you know what, Mark, we're, we're not really looking for a role, but I think I think you might be a really good fit for this particular company. Um, give me a couple bullet points. Uh, give me 24 hours. Let me speak to the powers that be. And um, you, know, you can come in and speak to the big boss tomorrow. He didn't Absolutely. have any planning, no intention on interviewing for this company. 
it just all the dots fitted together and the rest is history he ended up working there for seven years don't worry it's fine we can edit that out <laughs> so you know who you know serendipity you know word of mouth very important reputation is absolutely everything I, I totally agree with you. I think um, what needs to what what needs to be said is is again. I'm always thinking about you know that young person, that person's coming out of university, and they're bombarded with all these different techniques on networking services. Blah 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 blah. How will you say you're 18 again? How are you going to build that network? I would say start as soon as you can, even mm -hmm. in your early teens. Sure. If you are if you are out with friends or you went to uh, a school that has a, a network go to the events that are run you know subscribe to the mailing lists make sure you're an active person and take really take advantage of everything that's presented to you for example like university you can uh, even from your university you know join the societies if you're um an old boy of a school, for example, use that network. Every relation, you never know where, where you're going to end up, who's going to end up helping you in life. You know, you, you, you keep, keep your friends close and, you know, make sure that you are thinking about how in the future, you know, you never know what happens. You might want to have a conversation with this friend or this person and they'll know somebody who you really want to connect with and that's your way in. And, just really, I think, being creative and not being too shy, you know, really, even it might be an awkward conversation, but you say, oh, hi, Michael, um, you wouldn't perhaps know this guy by any chance. Actually, yeah, he knows my cousin, you know, I can, you know, I can, yeah, 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 I can, yeah. I can, Absolutely. I can, the world is smaller can, than exactly, you think. It really is. I can set you up, you know, I can, I can set up a meeting or help you get to the right person at this particular company. So again, back to that wasta. Well, let's I, go back to the connections. You would, know, it's important. I would add something to, to Robin. Sorry to interrupt you. I think that the key thing in, in, in networking, of course, going to the venues, going to the meetings, being open, being social, sociable, that's all fine. But I think the key item is to be interesting. And the Agreed. best way of being interesting is exploring, uh, be it hiking, be it reading, whatever activity that brings you joy there's going to be someone else in that room who either is interested in it or has done it. Agreed. And, and, and that's what you should be really focusing on. If you like hiking, try to go every weekend whenever you're free. If you like reading, try reading as much as you can. If you like painting, paint, whatever. Exactly. But the worst thing possible is just sitting down and just watching Netflix or whatever. That's not going to get you anywhere. Maybe unless you're somehow a producer or you want to be a film <laughs> critic or whatever, then I could say, yeah, watch more Netflix. But <laughs> other than that very specific field, I don't think it's going to do. Yeah, you, you only get you. what you give, right? You know. Absolutely, absolutely. But I, I, think, I would say, I would say, yeah, definitely being interesting helps a lot. You know, I, 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 I love going to conferences and events and networking things, and especially in London. You know, there are a lot of people from the Middle East in London. It's a, it's, it's a place for. A lot of a lot of people from the Gulf come here over the summer. They have second homes over here. You know, there's a lot of um, particularly people from Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, Dubai. They're all here, and of course, they speak very very good English. But I I studied Arabic and Farsi. If I meet somebody that you know is speaking a bit of Arabic, and I say hello, how are you doing? You know, 
um, nice day, isn't it? For example, something very, very simple like that. Immediately, their eyes light up and they look at me as if I'm sort of an alien or something and say, how? Give. Of course. Of course. Of course. Ish. Of course. So it's for my, me, for my, my interesting thing is that I can connect because I speak the language. I understand the culture. I kind of, you know, I, I know the, they'll, they'll say, for example, oh, I just um, flew in last night. I could say, oh, did you fly the Emirates route from Dubai? You know, <laughs> were you on one of the new planes? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's you find something in common, uh, you use it, and you never know where that's going to take you in life. I've made some of my best friends when I lived abroad in the Middle East just by sitting in a cafe. And someone said, can I borrow this chair? And I said, to, I said in Arabic, the fadl, the fadl, yeah. And they said, looked at me and said, eh, so you, speak, you speak some Arabic? That's impressive. You know, you're here studying, etc. Let me show you around. People are it's very a, friendly. Absolutely. Absolutely. As soon as you can connect, you're always going to get Breaking further. down those cultural barriers. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Especially, I mean, some of the most friendliest people you're going to find are in the Middle East. Agreed. Hands down. You know, and I, I think probably the best way or best direct way of, of connecting with the Middle Eastern, especially in the GCSC, in Saudi Arabia, in Kuwait, in Oman, in, in, in Dubai, UAE, is, is probably to go camping because they love that stuff. Yes, they do. And if, if you have always had a dream of saying, hey, you know what, I've always wanted to take a motorcycle and go up and down in, in the UK or America or wherever, that is going to land you more than, than any diploma, than anything else. It, it really builds character. And that's what people really hire you for. And that's why people want to take you on board is because you're unique, because you have that character. I think for, for anybody that's sort of thinking to themselves, how can I stand out from the crowd? How Absolutely. can I do that? I think a lot of people go into interview situations thinking that there is a right answer and the interviewer would love to hear this. So for example, let's say you are interviewing for a specific role and you've really done your homework on the firm and you say, you know, I think I'd be a great fit because of X, Y, and Z. That, everybody, gonna everybody, yeah. everybody's going to say that. If you go to your interview and say, do you know, and like, like I did and said, um, oh, I have a mu very musical background and I, I really understand, Absolutely. I really understand, um, the link between languages and music, and I think they're very intrinsically linked. I uh, am good, and you can tie in, for example, if you've sung in a choir, you can say, I'm, I've got team teamwork, you know, I, I, I know how to work as part of a team, I'm a team player, things like that. But you using anecdotes from your past, you know, really trying to think of everything that might not seem immediately like it could be a good thing to bring up, but actually, Absolutely. you know what it really is. Absolutely, I think for a lot of people who who, th who think they're they they can only they can only get what's in their reach. I think people should really aim to exceed your grasp, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, and I, it's it's really down to one thing. When we come back to it again and again, it's about being authentic, being whatever makes you you, and then taking that up to eleven. And it doesn't matter what it is. And that's really going to get you to places. Exactly. Pretending someone that you're not just in order to fit a mold 100%. is not going to get you anywhere other than maybe entry level. 100%. That's, that's it. And because people can see through the bullshit. Absolutely. Really. People want genuine people. Right? 
But, so I would. If you don't understand, for example, if I don't understand something, mm. I have no, 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 no problem saying, "I'm sorry, would you mind, you know, elaborating on that a little bit?" I'm not going to pretend to. All good engage, bosses love to teach. In, engage in that conversation and not no, not have any clue what I'm talking about. It's the wrong approach. You want to sort of you want to take a step back and say. Um, I didn't quite catch that. Um, do you mean this? Do you mean that? I think is you know communication is very important. Absolutely, especially in the Gulf. You know, it's, it's very important. People, people, as we were saying before, Dubai is very fast paced. If you don't so understand, for example, a task that's given, if you if you're told to do something and you don't understand the task. Then sort of smile and nod and then leave the meeting and then scratch your head thinking, actually, what was it that I need to do? Make sure you understand what the, what the task was because, Absolutely. you know, there's no, if you, there's no shame, there's no shame. Not, not exactly. And I, I think it, you guys have to remember is that a good boss loves to teach. And if your boss doesn't love to teach, then that's probably the wrong either department or job for you because that company is not heading anywhere. Yeah. That's at least in my experience. Yeah. Now, okay, let's let's look at it from a different angle. How is it different the Middle East to a guy who's just coming out or girl from London? I'd say, let's take for example um, Dubai. We're using Dubai a lot here, but Dubai and people London, always have scares of cultures. They're worried about what can or can't they do. Is there any truth to that? I think that I'm a very firm believer, and you need to see it to believe it. People have perceptions of what it's going to be like. Like in Russia, absolutely. Like, exactly. Go go to the country, go on holiday, go speak to some people. It's not what it seems, you know. You, you, you never know. You, you never know. Um, for example, I can give you a very good anecdote. I took my girlfriend, who had never been to the Middle East before, to Dubai in December of last year. She should have never... messaged me. You should have messaged. We could have gone <laughs> exactly, out for coffee. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bahrain's just uh, just an hour away. <laughs> hey, I don't know what's going on with you. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, COVID times and uh, and everything. But we we did a very short trip, and she had never been to the Middle East before. Had all these ideas of what it might be like. You know, are women allowed to do this? Can I wear shorts, etc.? And all those barriers are broken immediately. You know, in the first 24, 48 hours when you're there. And you see, you see, it's is very, very friendly, very similar environment to it would be, for example, in the UK. You can wear a crop top if you want to wear a crop top. You know, you can Absolutely. you can show some flesh if you want to do that. Absolutely. You just you just don't take it to the extreme. Don't go out and get heavily inebriated and then go do something stupid. I think you 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 can do that in private resorts if that's exactly what if that's really what, what you, you want, want to do. To do but that then doing it like like if you're if you're a typical guy who's who's going to a pub to start trouble that ain't gonna work for you no and I, I think most in the world that's not gonna work for you exactly just be sensible that's the it's the golden rule just be sensible I mean, I mean that's what they say right the problem with common sense it's not common and I, <laughs> yeah and I, I think that people don't take that into account yeah I, I uh, Anything else that I think we need to speech on, speak on for? Uh, I just I think that Dubai in general. I think that or if you've never if you've never been to the Middle East before, well, what about don't, the don't, other way around? Let's let's think about it from a different way. So I to interrupt you. I think this is more interesting for maybe the older audience. You know, you're maybe in your fifties or maybe in your sixties. You're well experienced. Uh, maybe your opportunities are running out in the West. What's your best option? Is it the Middle East or is it Asia? Where do you think is is 
Someone like your dad, for example. I think, I think you you want to. Of course, it's not a light decision to make to uproot and go somewhere else, try something new. But if you if you feel like you've uh, plateaued, if you feel like you're not progressing anywhere, then I'm a firm believer in you know trying something new. Don't be afraid to uh, to, to try something new. I only th I think that I caveat that with only do it if it makes sense. You know, don't 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 suddenly decide right. I'm going to go and live and work in Moscow because I met somebody from Moscow that said it's the place ago. to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you got got to do some research. You know, go go there, get a feel for it. Think, is it for me? Um, how can I how can I uh, how can I see myself there? You know, is it if you have a family? Is it is it going to be you know, a good place for me to have my, my kids and my wife, you know, is it, is it, is it a good location for them as well as for me? But I think, and I, I, I had been an expatriate several times in my life. I think that it's a great experience. It opens you up and makes you a more interesting individual. Sure, sure, sure. But that's if you're younger. I'm talking about a person who's maybe in their 50s and the 60s. Maybe they have another, let's say, five to 10 years of, of, mm. of good business knowledge. They're well experienced. How would they go about in getting any kind of entry into that market what would you recommend i think again if you're if you're of that um if you're of that category or bracket i think you you want to play to your um your connections and your network okay. do you do you know people in that country do you have um friends that have um knowledge knowledge and you connections, know connections whatever um if you are for example if you have a lot of industry experience, that can be a very good thing. We were talking earlier about how it's a very great place to be if you're if you're you know up and coming, etc. But Absolutely. it's also a great place if you are at the top of your field. You know, they're they're always looking for specifically the Gulf, specifically Dubai, specifically countries that are really fast paced in the Gulf. They're looking for experts in their fields absolutely absolutely keynote speakers absolutely. keynote speakers are constantly brought to conferences etc and are paid an enormous sum of money you know even like two two hundred thousand dollars for giving a half hour keynote absolutely people pay big money to hear the insights you know i think that ultimately it is a good move if you feel that the dots line up, I don't think it would be a, a very spontaneous decision. I think you'd want to think about it quite carefully. But as you were saying earlier, it's transitory, right? It's not. It's not an end. You know, it's, it's not. It's not. It's not. You're not going to be there for forever. It's, it's transitory. It's a great place to be for a couple of years. I agree. Go for it. I think it comes back to the same that we've been saying and I think we're going a little bit in circles here connections are important the way of making connections is to go to these events to build up your persona uh, sign up to, to whatever industry it is I would recommend maybe writing ebooks doing a blog doing a podcast doing whatever uh, would make you a specialist in your industry uh, being an author is a very quick and easy way of doing it and through that you can then build your reputation, try to be public speakers, go to these events, 
And that's that's really gonna turn your life around more than really anything else. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we we spoke about elder people trying to get it in for the elder bracket. We spoke about how younger kids or, or teenagers trying to build up their social network. What about events? So let's say you're a company, you have 100 employees, maybe even less of that. Let's say you have 10 employees. What would be the best way of building these events? Building the events. Now, that's, a, that's an interesting one. Um, again, Dubai has an awful lot going on. You know, there are so many things, um, so many things to do, so many events to go let, and let me visit. Let me clarify my question to you. So let's say you, your, your company, maybe you're about five to years open. Let's say you're, you're middle, you're established, right? You got your place in the industry. The question now comes down to how do you build that reputation? How do you become a leader in that industry? I think brand is very important. Mm -hmm. People in the Middle East especially love reputation, brands that have repu good reputation. Mm -hmm. So if you are a big name um, that, that, for example, if you are, let's take, for example, again, going for um, events within finance. If you are, for example, um, Mercer or Cambridge, like a big, very big, reputable uh, advisor, they love hearing from people with that brand name attached to them. Mm -hmm. It's a particular draw. Okay. But so that that's that's the other end of the stick. So your question is more along how to build. Of course. How to build. So get yourself out there as much as possible. I, I would clarify on, on Robin, and I would say use the ta tools available to you. See who you have currently in the industry, who you know, and then build programs. Yeah. Right? That That even if it's just like an open bar once a month, whatever. Because that's what's going to allow you to build that network. And for the first, I would say, two, three months, you're probably going to be about breaking even or making a loss. right? And then afterwards, after you got about 50 to 100, then you can do like event tickets. We can start selling events, right? You can be like, you know, we're doing like a, a, a Friday, Saturday uh, a brunch and alcohol or whatever. That's what's going to, or maybe like a golf tournament or maybe exactly. a tennis tournament or anything like that. That's really going to get you more. And uh, Dubai is a small place. People will start talking word of mouth. It spreads very quickly. Absolutely. absolutely. Building that email uh, uh, list is really, really key. It's really, really key. Having a blog is also key. And being interesting. We always come back to it. Spreading information that's useful to your com com uh, customers. Even if it's highlighting a competitor, which is fine. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of hard work and graft, but Absolutely. There's, you know, you're, you're, you're working, you're going to be working, um, you know, six, seven days a week, putting in the hours, but um, it's a city that doesn't sleep, right? It, Absolutely. It's constantly moving, constantly shifting. Things come to life, particularly at night. Absolutely. So, you know, you might not tip, there's, you might not have a typical schedule where you're working from nine to five, you might particularly want to put an emphasis on the evening. You might Absolutely. want to run events that start, for example, late at night, because in the summer it's bloody hot. 
uh, whether it be go kart racing or paintball shooting, it, it, there's there's a lot of mechanisms on how to grow your brand and your 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 you as an individual and to make those connections. And yeah, that's probably the best way of what's going to really bring up your brand, bring up your station that industry, and really segment yourself as a leader of that industry. And then later on, host events, speakings, go to Robin's firm, become a speaker at 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 uh, with them. That's what's going to push you <laughs> up the scale. Yeah. Well, um, I think perhaps is there a specific topic that we should end on? Do you think, or I mean, no, we don't have Twitter running. Otherwise, we'd have questions at the moment. Um, I have a few questions uh, that people have asked me to ask you. Yeah. I told them that you work around uh, 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 event management and asset management. One of the questions I was I kept getting asked is, for who is asset management for? From a perspective of, of, of a young guy or maybe a middle-aged guy in their 30s who wants to change career paths. I would say both, but you would probably be very unlikely that you would stumble into, if, if you were searching for a career in asset management, um, it's very broad, right? You, you could be either someone who's highly analytical, in which case... It depends on the firm. Yeah, it, it depends, depends on the firm. On, so you could, you could have, you could have very, there, are, there are a huge amount of roles. So personally, I'm not analytical at all. So my if I was to break into... Um, an asset management firm specifically, I would imagine a role that would be best suited for me would be much more client-facing, distribution, fundraising side, so quite a salesy role, versus somebody that's highly analytical who would who would be, you know, analyzing investments and um, be a, for example, CFA charter holder. Um, that would be, you know, you, you'd be much more working with analyzing data and numbers but it's very there are a very broad range of um, roles available within the industry so you could be either an analyst or somebody who's in sales and for me for my personal sort of skill set i would say i'm more suited to the latter but if you're highly analytical then you're going to want to be you know part of the former so so there are a huge amount of roles available you could work in marketing, for example. There are a lot of people um, in asset management who have uh, marketing roles, um, you know, marketing degrees, MBAs that work on the marketing side. So within these larger organizations, there are so many roles available. So, so let me put it this way then. Uh, over the last couple of years, what has changed in asset management? When you got in to now, What's different behavior? What's diff are there different technologies at the moment? Are there different approaches? What's what's going on in the industry from See, that perspective? I would say that um, there might be a slight sort of black mark around fees. Fees okay. so quite quite high fees are taken by asset management firms for what we call in the industry actively managing yeah, something. Absolutely. absolutely. And these days, there's much more, much many more funds and investment um, solutions available to people that aren't 
actively manage. There's also so much TikTok exactly, exactly. You know, buy in for this 5K speed, exactly. come to this event for 10K. There's a, there's a lot of that going on. You think it's a better better position to be in where the entry fee is as low as possible or free, I assume. So I think in life you get what you pay for. Uh, there's absolute truth to that. And if you are, uh, if you are looking, for example, let's take the last eighteen months, which have been particularly volatile. Personally, I would have wanted to be invested and paid a small amount extra for somebody that's there, you know, actively managing absolutely the the geopolitical risk, the absolutely the uh, you know the the external factors, you know, somebody that's really hands on, has a proven track record. Yes, I would happily also invest in a passive fund, but if something like COVID happens or if you're, uh, something unexpected happens, then the active manager would be able to find a workaround quickly and you know, make some tactical bets to hedge that risk versus the passive. So yes, you pay some money for, being, uh, for having you know, a hands-on management approach. But, you know, that's not a bad thing, especially if there's something like COVID that comes along or something like the, the, the financial crisis comes along. And that must have really upset that whole industry, to be honest. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm very young, so I wasn't around when the, uh, when, when the GFC uh, hit. But it, I thought it, you were going uh, to say when the Spanish flu hit. Yeah, <laughs> no, but uh, but uh, it, it, there, are, there are events that come around that do, that do, do, do are change. Are really disruptive. Really, really disruptive, exactly. So how does that change the industry then? So I would say that you need to have going back to this going back to this um network and pre-existing relationships before covid if you had made the effort to go and travel and meet with people if you're looking to to fundraise if you are an asset manager those meetings that you took those um those trips that you bought your portfolio manager from the US or from Hong Kong or wherever was so important because if you had not have done that, doing it all virtually would be, you could do it. Yes, you could do it, but they've not yet met you. They've not yet looked you in the eye face to face in person. You know, it's so there's going to be obviously a little barriers of trust, exactly. I imagine, especially if you're a newcomer on a weird Zoom call, you know, exactly. where you, you're not getting any kind of yeah. neural feedback on yeah. who this person is. You know, you're just seeing a screen mm. on a two-dimensional picture of this person. Yeah, but I think I think with um, with I mean, I I've, I stumbled across um, my line of work as I said serendipitously from an email. It was the first job I applied for and I did, did the interviews and it went well and I, I, I now am where I am. But it, it's, um, it's very, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's sometimes things change very quickly. You, you, you might you get an opportunity and, for example, you, a lot of people that I know that work within the industry, they don't have economics degrees. Mm. They don't have, uh, you know, they don't have... Um, educations that would reflect you know the kind of roles that they have it's very very much you know i i have as i said a humanities background but i ended up in the industry you don't have to study economics to go work at goldman sachs you don't have to you don't have to have um 
you don't have to have been a finance major to to go and work for a hedge fund. True, I but mean, you have it, to be an accountant to work in a, to work as an accountant. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, that's illegal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I think that. I think that you'd be surprised how many people end up in the industry. Of course, of course. Without without having you know any desire at first to, to get in there. Um, so it's, it's it's it's. I mean, in one way or another, we all end up in finance, whether it's personal exactly. or corporate, <laughs> right? So yeah, exactly. there's no running away from that. Exactly. I I I mean, I the way I see with COVID, there was a lot of pop up companies that came about uh, offering. Uh, kind of these get-together meetings in VR spaces. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like with Oculus Rift yes. and yeah. Google, not Google, sorry, Facebook, Microsoft has their weird HoloLens. Yeah. But that's not really VR, that's more AR. Yeah. So do you see, do you see that industry growing, happening? I think so, yeah. I think technology has improved significantly. You know, we are able to have virtual Everything Here, conducted I'll help virtually. Sorry, who's listening? We just had to help a guy get out through the balcony. So what we were saying, we were saying about um, technology, technologies in place. So, for example, if you work in conferencing like we do, you could host instead of being in person, you could simulate a live event, but virtually where you have exhibition stands and you can have, you know, e-digital e cards. So you have somebody, uh, you know, you can collect, you can exchange business cards in electronic fashion. You know, there, there are companies that um, were put together um, to simulate, and this, this was bef even before the pandemic, this, this was a technology that existed, but of course the pandemic accelerated, really accelerated, that. accelerated that. But of course, my, my personal opinion is you, you can't replace human the, interaction. the human interaction, exactly. Absolutely, I agree. I think there, these events are always going to be popular, and I think in the future, they're probably gonna grow in, in even a more, uh, um, popularity it's more important than ever to build these connections and that's the same thing we keep on talking about and trying to really get the audience to, to understand i think all this vr stuff and ar has a place in the industry for maybe people who couldn't show up to the event uh maybe it's a good way of of having a better interaction with a speaker right L like if they're giving a host or a ted talk or whatever there's a definite market for that. But the real connections happens outside the speaking, right? Where you compare notes, you meet people at the bar, you know, you talk about them. That's, you know, where, where magic happens. All right, well, I think that's about it. It's been a pleasure to be on the show, Michael. It's been a pleasure having you on. And uh, hopefully, if you're free, the next couple of uh, weeks, we'll come back down and we'll get through Twitter, maybe some questions when people are asking. And yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me again. Thank you for being on.